he was having an affair with his wife at some point. Yeah, was it yeah. Serena or was that a different wife? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Films that are sort of comparable, at least in structure, to it. And I hate to bring up this film because I know it's something that's very Son of a bitch. that's very near and dear to to Nick's heart. When you think of like a film like Magnolia, that no, <laughs> no, 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 just let me, just let me, say, yeah. no, no, I'm, I'm just comparing this on a structural level, okay? You have these, okay, one shit, the other one's Magnolia, <laughs> okay. <that's... laughs> Welcome into Film Tank the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the 2012 drama science fiction film, Cloud Atlas, which was directed by the Wachowskis and Tom Tickford. Thought I'd try out my sea legs. But you ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Day. Yes, I know that. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there again, everybody, and welcome in to episode 83 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with my buddies, Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. Hey, how's it going? It's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me. Aww. Well, thank you. I'm glad that I was able to say it. Uh, On today's episode, we are discussing the 2012 three-hour tour of science fiction with the Wachowskis and Tom Tickver. And this is the rudest thing anyone's ever done to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just science fiction. It's historical drama. It's romance. It's... Let's (laughs) back up on the historical drama thing. Just a bit. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Anyways, the film we're talking about today is Cloud Atlas. Uh, This was the Wachowskis' first film film after the matrix no they had speed racer yeah okay speed racer is fantastic i know you enjoyed it and obviously they had some involvement in v for vendetta even though they did not direct it um oh yeah what that is correct yep really you, you didn't know that no i didn't know that you didn't know what about it did i didn't know that they didn't direct it. i thought they directed it. no it was uh james mcavoy no <laughs> Unfortunately, not. As one of those new split personalities. <laughs> uh, it was directed by James Mc... My boy. Teague? Oh, yeah. James McTeague. <laughs> oh, yeah. Him. Hmm. Uh, the guy who also directed a bunch of stuff that no one's ever seen. Hmm. So he's uh, the guy who was actually directing, but they had major involvement in that film. Uh, and then Speed Racer, as Nick just mentioned. Their masterpiece. Yes. Yep. Uh, and then uh, recently, following Cloud Atlas, they directed Jupiter Ascending, which Not we won't... quite a masterpiece. Yeah, that's <laughs> the correct opinion. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to talk much more about that film other than... I'm going to bring it up later. Are you? Well, I think okay. there are at least some reasonable ways to bring it up. If you were at all interested out there... Um, you, you would know, if you've listened to this podcast previously, that I usually 
although lately they've uh, fallen off a little bit. I'm a fan of the uh, the honest trailers put out by the Screen Junkies guys on uh, on YouTube, and the one for Jupiter Ascending is absolutely fabulous. They go through the entire plot of this film seriously, yeah. and it is very comical. Yeah, of Jupiter Ascending, yeah, not not Cloud Atlas. Although that See, would probably the actually, difference is that yeah. even the film Jupiter Ascending doesn't go through its own plot seriously. Sometimes it does. I mean, if you were to do that to any movie, that's come on. It was fun. No plot holds up. You want to do that to this movie? Oh no! I mean, I'm not trying to necessarily. Even though now they're in a retirement home, and it's a kooky caper. <laughs> kooky caper. <laughs> even the kooky Christmas. <laughs> even, <laughs> even though I like the Cloud Atlas considerably more. Than Jupiter Ascending, mainly because I really dislike Jupiter Ascending. Uh, yeah, it wasn't fun or funny or good. So, yeah. uh, if you something. don't find Channing Tatum as a wolf man who can skateboard, then I don't want to know you. No, not skateboard. I was going to say rollerblade. rollerblade. Right. Noted. Get your cool. plot points right. Yeah. Anyways, I guess we'll, we'll be talking about Jupiter Ascending a little bit later, but first, uh, let's jump right into talking about Cloud Atlas. Uh, this film was directed by Tom Tickver and Lana and Lily Wachowski, and stars Tom Hanks, Halle Berry, Hugh Grant, Hugo Weaving, Jim Broadbent, Jim Sturgis, Duna Bay, Duna Baby, okay. uh, James Darcy. Uh, Susan Sarandon is here for some reason. Uh, Keith David and Ben Wishaw. I actually quite enjoyed Ben Wishaw yet ben again. Ben Wishaw is always great. He is. Yeah. He, he was really good in that In the Heart of the Sea movie last year. I forgot he was in that. But he actually was. Him and Brendan Gleeson were the best part of that movie. Yeah. Which is sad because... <laughs> they're only in it for about 12 minutes. They're the ones telling the story. Yeah. That's it. The music from my dream. There are whole movements I wrote imagining us meeting again and again in different lives, in different ages. I can't explain it, but I knew when I opened that door... A powerful deja vu ran through my bones. I heard it in a dream. It was in a nightmarish cafe. And the waitresses, they all had the same face. No reason to hide. I know you are Sonry 451. Yesterday, my life was headed in one direction. Today, it is headed in another. You ever think the universe is against you? Fear. <laughs> Belief love phenomena that determine the course of our lives these forces begin long before we are born and continue after we perish our lives are not our own we are bound to others past and present each crime and every kindness may birth our future. 
Fucking for you there. So let's look at this amazing IMDb plot description about Cloud Atlas. The film is an exploration of how the actions of individual lives impact one another in the past, present, and future as one soul is shaped from a killer into a hero and an act of kindness ripples across centuries to inspire a revolution. Okay, I'm going to have to... You have to unpack that. I'm going to have to call bullshit on that whole from killer to hero because I've actually done it in between. I I read through that, that actual... Uh, synopsis before and I was like who the fuck in this film as as a main protagonist from the constants like of, of reincarnation is a killer like, Tom, it's not, it's Tom, not... Tom Hanks Tom... so where did he start like, like, but literally Tom let's recap the, for was in the five reincarnation. seconds yeah let's, let's recap for five seconds here so what is Tom Hanks what's his original first role his original chronologically his, chronologically his original first role is the doctor on the boat who is poisoning oh, yeah. Jim Sturgis. Yeah, that. Yeah, but, um, and, and then he his... ends up at the very end of the film. Talking cause... jive to Halle Berry. Yeah. But but no, he start, like he, he is the technically... Oh, no, technically it's farther than that, but yeah. yeah. In, the, in the timeline, yeah. if you started from beginning to end, because, you know, this film pulls Pulp Fiction a little bit and tries to go out of order because it's awesome, it's not. Uh, <laughs> technically in the timeline, the first character on the screen and the last character on screen even though not technically is tom hanks so fucking hanks i know the the whole whole thing about about (laughs) tom hanks like starting out in the in in the first like timeline where it's like takes place in like the late 19th century with adam ewig and it's like he's trying to like get slaves or something and get sick on a boat fighting the babadook it's not fun that's not fighting the Bobby. That's, that's a whole different timeline. That, that, oh, that, that's the far, far, far last timeline oh, yeah. in, in 2300. <laughs> well, doesn't this movie kind of propose that time is relative anyway? Shut the fuck up. Anyway, I'll kill you. Um, <laughs> the, the thing about Tom Hanks' character in the first timeline is like that's not the same constant character. Is like by the, the way, the can, only- can we just decide right now that we're only thanks. Uh, we're only gonna refer to characters by the actor's name. Yeah, yes, otherwise. I, I don't even know if I know a character. I name. don't either. I know a character's name. Thank like, you. Yeah. But on, just for this episode. Yeah. Oh, I, only... I know one character's name. Hold on. Because every time Jim Sturgis would appear uh, in his one timeline with the uh, Somni whatever. Somni 451. I, I kept, every time he appeared, I kept going, hey, Jew. Don't wait, wait, hold, hold on. Let's, let's back up. Which, which one is this? Jim Sturgis. Uh, Where? In the futuristic oh, South Korea. Okay. His you. name is okay. Heiju. So every time he appeared, I just kept going, Heiju, don't take it back. Yeah, okay. Which is funny because he was in Across the Universe where they did Beatles songs and he was named Jude. Anyway. Yeah. It's just, yeah. But yeah. Okay. Continue, Jusat. <laughs> All right. So anyway, the only constant soul char- love. character is whoever has that shooting star birthmark. And Tom Hanks' character in the first timeline wasn't that person who had it. It was the Adam Ewig character. True. And then it goes from Adam Ewig to... Adam Ewig is who? He, he's, he's the guy in the first timeline who's trying to like get a, a deed in order. Sturgis. Jim okay. Sturgis' character. What did we just say, Tucson? I'm sorry. I, <laughs> this is the only instance where I actually know the all their fucking names. first rule of Cloud names. Atlas is you don't talk about Cloud Atlas characters. I only know their names. Like It's Adam Ewig, and then it's Robert Frobisher, and then it's uh, Louisa Ray, and then it's 
Uh, we, from now on, we're doing, Cavendish. we're doing actor names. Woody the Cowboy. Have to. Somni451, <laughs> and then it's... I'm telling you, those are the only ways that for, I actually know them. That's fine. For, Sully. For, <laughs> for all of us playing here and at home, uh, we would like to just go off of actor names, because unfortunately, myself and Nick... Do not know the characters but as well as you do. At this Tom. point, we also have to kind of we have to be a little more specific, so we can say like you know things like white Tom Hanks or <laughs> or Asian Jim Sturgis, <laughs> just to make sure that we uh, we we know what we're referring to. <laughs> no, I mean, you know what? I will say this. I'll, I want to pr- I want to praise something about this movie, or not praise, but I want to point something out, which is that <laughs> I, t- I make clear that I'm not praising this. Movie. Walking back. That no, but I have heard controversy around this movie that they were whitewashing roles. Not that I've seen the movie; that's one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Because yeah. the whole point of the movie is a to have that at the real connection between bodies. And Jim Sturgis is not the only person that plays a different race or gender, or whatever. So fuck you. Anyway, just toes the line of being offensive with everybody, like switching like I, ethnicities. I don't even <laughs> really think it toes the line of being offensive, if because I I buy into the idea that the Wachowskis are trying to do this kind of humanistic. We're all the same. Type and it, it certainly isn't something. I'm like, not saying it's elegant. Yeah, <laughs> certainly isn't something like Aloha with Emma yeah. Stone. No, yeah, it's for as sure. Egregious as that. Well, there's no reason. Like here, there is a reason why Jim Tertius should right. be that character. They have laid the groundwork for what Ghost in the Shell should yeah. be. So, wow. You seen that promotional still? Mm-hmm. Where she looks like a geisha that just got out of a <laughs> brothel. Those are horrible. Yeah. God. Anyway. Anyway. Those, those are worse than I thought they could have been. Anyway. So I don't want to talk about Back that. Back to Cloud right Atlas. Yeah, I wanna I wanna talk about Cloud Atlas. Don't get me started. Like Ghost in the Shell was referring to the white skin color. <laughs> you know, because it's a ghostly shell. Oh, white. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna start on my, my broad impressions right. of, of please, Cloud Atlas. Please. Please do. So I went to go see this uh, originally in theaters in IMAX because I was actually really looking forward to now, it. Now which life were you in when you went and I mean, I was in... Tucson actually dresses an Asian person going to the film, so actually, it was great. No, no, I'm I... Malcolm X. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I went Did to your go... dad go see this with you? No, he didn't. Oh, man, that would have been great. No, he didn't. Papa T would have been sleeping right. 30 no. minutes so in. So you went and saw it at the theater. I went to go see it in the theaters because I was really looking forward to it, and I was kind of riding high on this film. Can I, I ask a question? Yeah. Just to give... No, no, no. No, real... yeah. I'm giving contact to the audience, yeah. so you've had read the book before you saw it or after no i was in school at the time and i was way too busy okay. with homework in order to like read the book but okay. i actually got the so you saw it without the books you know like knowledge yeah okay but i actually read the book after the fact yeah. and uh just comparing uh the adaptation to the origin original david mitchell like 2004 novel it's actually almost point for point verbatim when it comes to uh locations and characters and even dialogue it, it's yeah. one of those cracked spine adaptations with the exception of the um 21 34 i can't remember like the specific year but like it's it's the one with uh it's it's the one in korea with the actress who played somni 451 i don't know her fucking real name um where basically in the book it was pretty much a riff off of 1984 kind of really unoriginal 1984 yeah. riff. And this was more of like a riff off of Matrix Speed Kinda Racer. Kind of a Blade action. Runner feel to yeah, it. Yeah, Blade Runner feel to it. As far as like robots running around trying to be humans. And- right. I mean, are they robots or are they clones? Are, are they human or are they dancer? I don't know. Ah, I was so, just about to say that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's pretty... 
if, if you're judging on the qualifier of how close it is to being a adaptation of the original source material, it is that. And I actually personally feel that having read the book, I actually like the film a lot better. I feel like that? it does a lot better to um, hone in on the actual relationship. Wait, of these you characters. like the film better than you like the book, or you like the film better because of reading the book? I, like, what do you mean? I like the film better than the book. Gotcha. Because I felt like there were actual objects and relationships that were kind of sewn tighter to one another, such as with the 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 Ben Wishaw storyline where he plays Robert Froeshire, who's this uh, amanuensis to uh, a a famous composer. Like when he's actually like walking up to the to the guy's like house and he's writing a letter to Sixsmith, his his lover. He talks about how he got this petticoat from him. And that kind of like is carried out like later on in the film, whereas in the book that never happened. Okay. So. And you yeah. said Sixmas is the only character to show up in multiple timelines. In two right? timelines, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it's like towards. It's played the... by the same actor as well. Right. Yeah. 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 Technically. And then know, when he the shows same. up at the end, uh, Tom Hanks, who's the hotel manager, is wearing that. Right? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. His heart was a little broken, I think. Yeah, I, I'd say so. Um, uh. But 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 anyway, I I really enjoyed this film when it first came out, and it's been a couple of years since I've like sat down to watch it again. Um, I will say this: what I really enjoy about this film is that I I enjoy the the experience of watching these multiple storylines kind of tangentially brush against one another thematically, if not by actual characters. And I think that what strikes me about this film that's different than other films of its ilk that kind of like try to weave together these multiple different threads is that a, a lot of people like when this film first came out said that it was too confusing for them and I don't really see how it can be I, I, think, the, I, mean, I think the reason why it's too yeah. confusing is because its structure is different than that of films that are similar to it whereas you, I don't know that I would call it too confusing but I don't know that it's editing made it easier to oh, no, actually no, I'm not, follow. I'm not talking about the the, the quality of editing. Editing okay. is, is very. What if I can yeah. step in really quickly? As I've mentioned, uh, I think I mentioned when we were talking about this uh, on our sign off last week when we were previewing this uh, this film. I have seen parts of this film multiple times on movie channels, and they should just stop doing that. <laughs> like you can, like this is not Goodfellas. This is not Shawshank Redemption. Like, you can't catch this on AMC an hour in and, and catch up. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're going to be brain fucked right yeah. away. Because yeah. if you don't watch from start to finish, you have no clue what's going on. No, sure. absolutely not. Um, and and that's a, a detriment to a film that's three hours long. Like, you cannot just jump in halfway in and, and catch on. Like, it's just... And, and in terms of people say it's confusing, if they went from start to finish and said that, I actually don't really see that as well. But yeah. um, if... if if you're just catching on to this, like on, I mean, the, on, I think on it's HBO. Confusing on the, I think it's confusing on the level that we're all agreeing to, which is that you can't keep up with it. Like, yeah. It's not like we can all, I know maybe Tucson can, but <laughs> yeah. not like we can all, like me and Alex, we just saw it and we can't name my characters. We yeah. can, we, we have to suss out who was in what timeline. And it's like when you're watching it, like, or at least me, like I'm not actively confused by what I'm seeing, but I can't say that I could actually piece it together. But, I, I do but that's th probably because of a lack of design. And I, I do think an important part of this film is that the and it was something that they, the filmmakers wanted to try to show whether they succeeded or not is that the actual storylines, A, are not necessarily completely 
important to the final message of the story. (laughs) And uh, that they are supposed to be sort of confusing because they are, in all reality, just tall tales being told by Tom Hanks. Yeah. I I mean – I, I actually kind of disagree with that because I oh. don't know if he's actually like telling all the stories. He's just telling really his story. True. And then it's it's sort of like becomes a – because in some way – That's not necessarily what I took away from some, it. But, some way or another, yeah. every single character, I'm just finally like like kind of like piecing this together. is like every single main character is in some way or another recalling their own story where it's like Adam Ewick, his – his journal is then read by Robert Frobisher, who's writing a a letter to Sixsmith, oh. who then becomes Louisa. Who's, yeah, I was going to say, it's a, it's a Russian, uh, what do you call it? Matryoshka doll. Yes, uh, as far as each story does go through another layer of some kind of form of media, whether yeah. it be storytelling, a movie, uh, a letter. Uh, Tim so Cavendish is the that's editor. That's how I picked up on oh, okay. it. So yeah. like, each story is nestled within. So that's why just telling – and I think that's part of the message of the movie, but like telling one story can lead to others and such. Mm, yeah. And going back to the point about this film being confusing, I think the only reason why this film might be confusing is that its structure is different from films that are sort of – comparable at least in structure to it and i hate to bring up this film because i know it's something that's very that's very near and dear to to nick's heart um when you think of like a film like magnolia that no (laughs) no 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 No, just let me just let me say no no i'm I'm just comparing this on a structural level okay you have okay one shit the other one's magnolia (laughs) okay let's (laughs) calm down calm down continue all right so you have you have Magnolia, which is trying to like draw together all these individual stories. However, like they're still contextualized in the same timeline. And then there were frogs. No, I'm not talking about that. And it's like, and it's only until like the end where all of those storylines you see them kind of come together and how their relationships are really like tied together at the end. That's that's usually that's typically the, the structure thing, of most films like that. With Cloud Atlas, honestly, like like. I could argue that the the timelines, the the disparate storylines, are no more closer than they are in the middle, and then towards the end, then they just like disparate off. No, yeah, for sure. I guess um, if I could really quickly, yeah, because actually I was going to bring up Magnolia, yeah, but only to illuminate what, just to further prove that my reaction to this movie, Cloud Atlas, is a pretty personal, subjective one, and I know that's the case for all of my opinions on every film I ever see. But I mean, this, that's an opinion. This uh, is more so than I would say the rest, which is that this is not my kind of movie. Uh, I thought it would be because I like the Wachowskis and I – whatever, but um, – I do not normally go for this kind of all-encompassing. I mean, it's, it says a lot that even though my favorite movie of all time is Magnolia, that is, I would say, not very connected stories because mm-hmm. if you truly try to put a line between them, it's the most tangential. I mean, the cop is not related to any of them other than the fact that he is, goes on a date with the daughter. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just whatever. Um but it says a lot that that movie is all about these disconnected stories that take place all in one room, each room for each, all in one night, all in, you know, like there's an actual intimacy there that that's the only reason why, not the only, but that's why I gravitate to that sort of what uh, if, tableau. Here, we go through the whole temporal space-time continuum. Which continue is also told via nonlinear storytelling, yes. which makes it even way more yeah. hard to catch on with. Correct. And so I have to say, I did not care for this movie. I it's it was one of the most boring three hours. <laughs> like and that's just the plain and simple of it. I kept thinking, 
to myself, would I watch any of these individual movies? And the answer was no. I only found these stories palatable because they were being interconnected and edited in such a way that I thought was so benign and only the only reason why it's fractured timeline is because none of these stories actually work on a linear level like they're so boring that because we only spend three minutes with each it's hard to truly get you know uh whatever i would say too bored by them for myself can i say this um is someone who and i will get to my initial thoughts in a little bit who quite enjoyed this film uh, only from a first viewing, so I'll need to see it again, obviously. But really enjoyed it the first time through. Uh, my biggest complaint with this film has to do with the editing and a lot of choices that were made um, during the actual film production of this and obviously the editing and song choices in the final. There are like six attempts at a climax throughout this film and a climactic montage that has... Uh, narration from a character, and boy, that is not good. It's like worse than <laughs> Lord of the Rings syndrome. It's <laughs> it, it doesn't fit, and it feels very odd an hour in to have a montage with a character doing narration, knowing that there's an hour and forty minutes left. It was, and it was if it was something that happened like halfway through during the second <laughs> act, and that was it, I would have been able to give it a little more of a pass. But seriously, it was like six times, yeah. and it was way too many, and it was, it was just bad filmmaking. Agreed. It's I gotta say the um, I mentioned earlier that I thought the Jim Sturgis plotline was my favorite. That's only because I forgot Ben Whishaw was actually in this. He's probably <laughs> my favorite character in this movie because Ben Whishaw is amazing, and he tries what he can in this uh one major flaw in this movie in my opinion is the casting you you the the way this movie is trying to convince us uh of its humanistic thematic messages and whatnot is so antithetical to the notion of putting tom hanks in your movie Uh, a, a person who i think is a great actor um but it only ever felt like he was playing dress up in all of his roles and it just got to be annoying it's funny because emily asked me what the fuck is tom hanks doing here and my response to her was he can't do like he has to do something that isn't a steven spielberg firm every now and then yeah Mm -hmm. and it's true and but and it's not just him even though i think he's the most agrarious uh notion like hugo weaving yes okay he can be that kind of chameleon he can uh, be a slave owner he can be an evil nurse literally that's like he can be fucking rumpelstiltskin that's the nature of his career is that he is all these iconic villains and heroes that we forget is all the same person and unfortunately i mean not for him because he's at least for me the clear best cast person in this entire film for his role he's playing his type no matter what type it is right um that being said obviously uh the wachowskis have a lot of experience with hugo weaving true so they a, knew how to cast him and what roles he should and shouldn't play. So it's not like <laughs> like he was probably the easiest person that they had, and it, yeah. it showed at the end. No, for sure. And that's why I, I, I don't mind him or whatever. But the whole, like, having Halle Berry, who... And here's the thing. None of these actors are, like, embarrassing themselves or something like that. But, like, this really should have been a largely unknown cast. Or if not unknown, then you have to... Like, okay, I'm going to bring up Jupiter Ascending, and whatever your thoughts are on the movie casting in that movie works for me because of the fact that you have genre actors like Sean Bean, you have uh, your sidekick, whatever, played by an up-and-coming kind of 
uh, whatever you could at the time it was up and coming. I mean, I know Channing Tatum. Who, who are we talking about here? Channing Tatum. Oh, like I, not up and coming he, in the sense that he nobody was the star of that film. I mean, I know Mila no, Kunis. I was going to say Mila was. Kunis was technically, but but I, I just felt like they they found all the right people to fly under the radar and not stick out enough. Kind of like when they casted Keanu Reeves back in the original, you know, The Matrix. Like, um, but here to put what's considered like some of the most well-known and most iconic actors of our generation, uh, talent completely aside, because, you know, you have, like, Halle Berry, Tom uh, Hanks, uh, Jim Broadbent, I mean, uh, Hugh Grant, um, you know, like, to have these people... I know Hugh Grant was, uh, like, a late, like, they had to find somebody. And he just <laughs> they had to find somebody. <laughs> no, because he's completely out of place. Like, yeah. that guy's been typecast for his entire career, playing the charming British guy, yeah. and he's everything that's far from that. Which I actually quite liked for this film because i I've never seen him doing anything else. Yeah. And so, but, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just every choice about this movie just could not, just made me not interested. It's not like it's the worst movie I've ever seen, but nothing about this screamed that I was getting anything out of it. Um, I like the visuals. E- even if you don't necessarily, the CGI sucked. Even yeah. if you don't necessarily like his character, I feel like the Jib Broadbent casting was pretty spot. He's playing a character that he's always played. No, I, I, that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, I could rank them as to who I like more of it, whatever, and he's certainly toward the top of who was certainly right at home. Mm-hmm. But I guess Jim Broadbent, for me at least, like having him next to people, not literally, but next to people like Tom Hanks, Howie Berry, I... I just, I don't know. It's just, it was just too much. What was up with the Halle Berry with the Michael Jackson painting thing about? What was that? What was where, that going for? Where, in what timeline? Yeah, what are we talking about? So here? we're talking about the timeline where she is Jim Broadbent's wife. Uh, oh, when did that? that I rem- I know what you're talking about with uh, uh, with, with Ben Wishaw. Ben Wishaw. And she is there. Oh, she's that person. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, I, I, I could not figure that out to say She's my supposed life. to be playing a white woman. Okay. Uh, it would have been okay if it was like for a second. <laughs> Sorry, now I'm having a flashback to when me and Toussaint watched this. And who, oh God, who was it that was hugging? Oh, it's actually at the very end of the movie when what's-his-name is hugging the Asian woman playing the white woman. Yeah. And, and, and they're like, they're, cause they're being reunited. And I just, like out of nowhere to Toussaint, I go, my beautiful white wife. <laughs> oh, man. But... <laughs> The Halle Berry also has a naked, painted white sex scene then with yeah. Ben Wishaw and what the Yeah, that was her. I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Well, <laughs> I guess she was trying to figure out how she could top Monster's Ball and that was <laughs> I don't I don't have any words for that. I just yeah. I don't know. If I can Please. jump in here quickly just so we can get to our discussion. I know you don't. Um yeah, I genuinely quite enjoyed this film. Um, I, it's been something I've always wanted to watch all the way through, sat down, watched it, enjoyed the title card because it was great. Yeah. yeah, can you tell me what it was again? Because you were uh, it was, I forgot about it. It was already. like a map. It was a like a black and white map, and then there's oh, just little lines that. that make the yeah. Cloud Atlas these, these title. These desperate trails of clouds that then became yeah. an atlas. Okay. I mean, it wasn't like great, but it was attention-getting, oh, yeah. I yeah. I just forgot what it was. It's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, the film, I, as I mentioned, quite enjoyed. 
I thought the performances were, for the most part, really good. Like, I thought the acting was a very strong part of this film. Hugh Grant's characters, I... Like, when I saw the final credits, which is one of the best parts of this film... I agree. Uh, because you get to see, oh, shit, that was them, and that they That was the most I was engaged with the movie <laughs> and paying attention and actually like, but, responding to what was on the screen. Hugh I like Gr- the chasing in Neo Soul, but, yeah, yeah go, yeah. continue. That was, that was okay. Yeah, I like um, that. Hugh Grant was really good. Uh, Hugo Weaving, who can really do no wrong in my book, because um, he's like at the very tippy top of my list of people that I love seeing. You go, Hugo. I know. He's great. Like from Smith to V to uh, Red Skull, he just, and all his other roles that he's Red playing. Red Skull might be coming back. Oh, sorry. Sh- he tried to get the fuck out of that contract because he had to have like five hours of fucking paint and shit done to play that role. Mm-hmm. So he's probably not too happy about that. <laughs> Anyways, I'd love that. And he's really the only villain that they've done well in Marvel. Going back to no, Cloud Ultron Atlas. was quite. Just get the fuck Shut out of here. Up. Going back to Cloud Atlas. And it just a lot of the characters, the actors, um, the visuals were really good. I actually thought the 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 older uh, that this film got in terms of its timeline, the better the production design and the cinematography was, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, the futuristic scenes were horrible in terms of visuals, in my oh, opinion. Oh, the older. I was thinking the yeah. other way. Oh, no, no, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, the older. No, like the scenes on the boat. The I was scenes like, that's a curious scene. opinion. Yeah. <laughs> no, the futuristic scenes were the dog older. shit. Yeah, um, I agree. This is... That's two in a row that the Wachowski films have had horrible CGI, and they can't be doing that. Mm. Like, they – well, not two in a row because I haven't seen it, but, Nick, you've said that Speed Racer has terrific graphics. Speed Racer is fantastic because of the artificiality. Like, that's supposed to be – because it's supposed to be hearkening back to an old-school anime. So. It's very colorful and garish like yes. the old anime. Uh, but yeah. that fits what it's going for. Yes. We're here. It is trying to show this futuristic yes. – vision and it looks horrible it does. like it looks yeah. like first transformers level and it's not good and the jupiter ascending also looked horrible in my opinion yeah. um and, and it's really sad and even some of the like the 70s or whatever when we have to have the cgi backdrops because you know they're altering i'm not saying it oh, looked like the one with tom hanks and Halle berry yes. when they're out in front of the ocean that looked terrible yep. yeah like little thing like that where it's like i mean i guess it's, it's glad that it's all uniform but uh but it, it, I'm, I'm glad that it's consistently shit. <laughs> For me, it, it kills me because these are people who made like groundbreaking movements with the Matrix. Yeah, like that first Matrix film, like made leaps and bounds in the CGI realm. And ever since then, it feels like that was all they had. <laughs> Matrix was a film that came out at the exact right time. That I was going to say, if they tried to make the Matrix 10 years later, I think it would look a lot like this, sadly. It, it, it's a... it's a, I suppose, but if, if you put the Matrix and because, the graphics in the Matrix up against this film, that film's a million times no, better. No, I, I agree, but what I'm trying to say is I feel like in movies like this, it shows that the Wachowskis' creativity are always they're at the forefront of their priorities as far as what they see in their head is what they're going to put on screen. So when you uh, limit what they their technology literally was back in the 90s compared to what they have access to now, mm-hmm. they're always going to choose you know, the, the mode that... That can you know project what they're seeing. I also think that projects such as Cloud Atlas, uh, Jupiter Ascending, and their Netflix show Sense Eight are directly a result of them 
perhaps getting a little too high on their own praise. They are they're a little too. It, it, to be the, fair, it, to it's the same though. It's the same problem that I think is with Nicholas Winding Refn, where like he went through like making films like The Hollow Rising and. Um, Bronson. Bronson, and then as soon as he makes Drive, like every single preceding film has to be like neon drenched in like in some dark corner. Yeah, I, I will say the one thing about Sunset, which I've only seen the first four episodes of, mm-hmm. so I'm not like the biggest fan or whatever, but I enjoyed what I saw. Yeah. But lumping it in with Jupiter in this movie is kind of silly because Sunset, for the most part, is a just a drama that takes place in contemporary society. But it also kind of has the same conceit as. As Cloud Atlas, where it's like these no, I know, but we are... were talking about CGI and such. I mean, like, there's oh, yeah, not yeah. like CGI in. I mean, they're probably which is more is. what I was right. directly referring to with right. their their directing style, which yeah. not necessarily storytelling. Because right. if 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 you were asking me, The Matrix is a just miles better film than any of anything they've done. Which since then. Is, I will say, as much as I like, I love Speed Racer. I enjoy The Matrix, and I enjoyed Jupiter Ascending for what it was. They're horrible storytellers. <laughs> Like, they, they, they do not tell good stories. That's why even if you like Cloud Atlas, which I'm, I don't begrudge anybody for it, that's not they, – they adapted that. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like I don't – no, they're not <laughs> – they're only great filmmakers, even if I don't like all their movies, because of what they envision the extent that film can, and let, let, can create. Even yeah. if I quite enjoy this, let's call what it is. They've made one good film over their entire career. Um, Whoa. Just The Matrix? Yes. I mean, I know First that of all, Nick's I think... going to contest that with Speed Racer. Yeah, Speed Racer but... is a masterpiece. Okay. Uh, Second of all, rewatching The Matrix is also, it's kind of funny, as much as this might seem hokey now, even four years later, and, you know, it probably might seem hokey whether people like it or just like it, like 50 years from now. Have you rewatched The Matrix in yeah. recent yeah. memory? Yeah. The, the, Recent ori- the, the original yes. reveal in The Matrix is one of the greatest 15 minutes I agree with that. History. Like the, I, I actually will say that the first half hour, so to speak, of The Matrix is impeccable. I really want us the to do a Matrix episode of the, eventually. The rest of The Matrix, of the first movie, I don't really think holds up that well. I, I, I enjoy watching it, I, I, and I, I think it's fine. I'll say, even though it is one of my favorite movies of all time, yeah. the final scene of the film is very generic. With the exception of the final moment when uh, Keanu Reeves stops the bullets shot by um, Hugo Weaving. Yeah. But the rest of that scene is very I'm just saying there's so much – because I remember watching The Matrix on VHS when I was at an aunt's house because my cousins had rented it. So I shouldn't have been watching it because I was too young, but it's rated Mm. R or whatever. So I remember having my little old mind blown by this movie (laughs) that I had no idea what it was about and all that kind of stuff. But like rewatching it a couple years ago for the first time, it's just funny to – unfortunately, and it's not the Wachowski's fault either, but because it was such ingrained into the pop culture stratosphere – um, things like bullet time and whatnot just seem a little like, oh, yeah. remember when this was huge? Yeah. Remember when John Woo kept on making films with uh, Sean Yoon flat fat just sliding flat down ban- just sliding down banisters and and doves flying in the background every time he shot at something? I guess. Yeah, I remember that. That yeah. fucker showed up in a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, goddamn. But 
<laughs> Wait, what does that have to do with the it Matrix? Doesn't. You're, talking, you know, you're we, talking about artifacts from a film like The Matrix where a bullet time just fused through everything. It's like it's talking about just being invoked for that time. Yeah. That also has one of the, I mean... But some things age and some things don't. And yeah. they do, but there are other parts of The Matrix that honestly were mind-blowing without even having anything to do with graphics. Like uh, the, the moment when... Uh, Is this turning into our Matrix episode? <laughs> the moment when Neo goes and meets the Oracle for the first time. Oh my time. god, I fucking love that scene. Yeah, and he not he's walking out the door and he knocks over uh, the glass and she turns to him and says, it's really going to bake your noodle when you think about if you would have knocked that over if I didn't mention it before when we talked about it. But they actually sort of answered that in the later films as well too. It's fine. Yeah. At the time, watching that and, and watching that scene back, you're like, oh. It's still oh after you, <laughs> after you learn about that. I was like, I want to talk about the I'm Matrix eventually. The Matrix, first of all. All I'm saying is I feel like the Wachowskis are such singular visions or have such singular visions that um, it's a love it or hate it experience to live with these films through time. I, yeah. I have to say – and I – if if we count V for Vendetta as a Wachowski film, which you can or can't do, I mean, that's another one of my favorite 50 of all time. However, ever since The Matrix, uh, most of their films have not been great, in my opinion. Because they haven't, like, written themselves into, like, the, the actual cultural zeitgeist of their times. I will also say one other thing about Speed Racer before we get back to Cloud Atlas. But this is important to point out because yeah. I've been praising it, which is that Speed Racer only works if you recognize it as a children's film. Okay. All, all their other films are, I would think, aimed at adults, obviously, all, whatever. All rated R, yeah. But if, if you go into Speed Racer expecting a adult, cool, kick-ass, but whatever, no, like, if there's a film for children, there is a orangutan in the movie for no reason. Well, not for no reason. I mean, it's it was from in the, the anime. From the anime, but certainly used in a very childish manner or whatever. Yeah. But that movie has the same exact storytelling flaws and whatever, but it works because it's aimed at children. Yeah. Anyway. Finishing my uh, opening thoughts Please. on Cloud Atlas, um, the storytelling here was was very interesting. Obviously, we have a central theme, which is oppression for a multitude of reasons, whether it be race or sex or um, transgender, which is very interesting uh, regarding the Wachowskis who are in, in, involved here. Uh, it's just... Wait, just so I understand what transgender oppression was happening. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to clue back that to that. Um, it, it's more, um, I guess, just the the characters playing different genders. Okay. In, in, in the, but that's not textual. As okay, far. I, I I'll back up that a bit. Yeah. I'm not saying that's wrong or whatever. Uh, I just wanted to because clearly seen, I was not the biggest fan of this movie, so I right. wanted to make sure I wasn't I've, I've, missing. I've, but the notes I took down on it was that a lot of the. Um, plot points to this film I felt were somewhat inconsequential to the themes of this film, which right. are um, sexual and racial oppression yeah. throughout time. And also uh, another huge, obviously huge point of this film is, is the potential for people to redeem themselves throughout time. That just because someone does a horrible act does not necessarily mean that they're a horrible person or they have a horrible soul or something yeah. like that. Um, I love the way that these stories go together. I love that there are funny lines that are just throwaway lines that come back later. Soil the greenest that, people. I hated what, that. Yeah. Did you really? That's I too liked bad. it. No, no, no. Here's the thing, though. When it was happening, when Jim Broadbent was screaming it, I thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then when it became an actual plot point, then I'm like, okay, now you're just fucking with me, and I don't like that. Because I just <laughs> – this movie is 
so tongue in cheek about such serious themes that I, it just ends up fucking biting the tongue, and it's just I I don't know it was just not pleasant. Yeah. Well, and. There were other lines that were just fantastic, and I already mentioned that I really liked Hugh Grant, but when he's talking to Halle Berry in the 1970s scene, and he says, word for word, if all female journalists look like you, I might start taking this whole women's lib thing seriously. (laughs) I'm a bad guy. (laughs) And he plays a bad guy who never gets better throughout, as well as Hugo Weaving, as they never get the sort of encouragement or, or change that Tom Hanks does throughout time, which is very interesting. Don't all... be prejudiced against Papa Dukes. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. Which was a uh, very well-played character by Hugo Weaving. Old um, Georgie. Yeah. Which I was really confused about because... Tom... I thought you weren't confused at all. I, no, I was confused about... <laughs> I'm not confused... <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> anyway... I'm I'm not confused about how the stories like fit together or what one timeline was saying versus another timeline. I'm confused in the last last timeline, the far future one after the fall of Neo Korea or whatever, with Zachary, the 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 Tom Hicks character who is the bookend for both for, for the film. He's talking to this 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 demon Rumpelstiltskin. Mephistopheles' character played by by Hugo Weaving called Old Georgie. And I, don't I don't know, know why he, the fuck he trusts him. I don't know if he's talking to him. I think that he's invading his his vision. But I what, don't think anyone else but, has that character but, talking to them. They're afraid of Old Georgie, but he is going to listen to Old Georgie when he's telling him to not trust Halle Berry's character when they're trying to get to the top of the mountain or to like get to the satellite fixture thing. I'm just like... At some point, Zachary has, very, to, has to stop and say, wait a minute, you're the fucking devil. Why am I listening to you? It's very... Um, not good. Well, not good. And also, like, every time that his character showed up, that's Hugo Weaving's character. What is his name? Old, uh, old Georgie. Old Georgie. Old Georgie. Old Georgie. Whenever he showed up, all I could think of uh, was... The Grinch? Oh, no. That was not what I was going to say, but thank you. Uh, every time his character showed up, all I could think of was... Uh, people saying, here comes a smart person that's smarter than you. Can't trust them. Can't fucking trust them. <laughs> They're trying to fuck you over. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's all I could think of because that's all that his character really represented to me was mm-hmm. just somebody saying, here comes science and here comes reason and it's going to destroy the teachings that have ruled this land for time, her time and time again. And you better not because if you don't, then the Catholic Church will go out of business. So yeah, you better the true, not. True. <laughs> Yeah, talk about that. It talk can, about the true, true. Let, talk, let, the get, true, true. Let's get that out of the way here. They speak jive in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mama. He, uh, Nick turned to me while we were watching this and very trepidatiously. First I said, can we turn this off? <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> you were like, are, are they are they speaking jive? And I, for the life of me, I couldn't tell him no because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're speaking future jive. I, don't, I just don't get that. Like, in the future, we became stupider? Yeah. Yes. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. I think that's because a simple More answer, primitive but... and more, I Maybe. guess. How, how does your ship float? Warp engines. Oh. Warp yeah. engines. I still no, don't no, understand. That, was, that, was, that had somewhat of an explanation. I will say one thing, which is that one thing I never figured out because I just never tried to wrap my head around it. Is so. What is going on in the future timeline where uh, Hanks and Bowser, 
Bowie, Halle Berry are teaming up and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So what is happening in that future timeline where is Hanks I just, have no idea. It's I just, don't have an explanation no. for you. Okay. Pace it out. Like, I was just going to say, is Hanks, live, his character, living on a primitive planet, but everywhere else, the civilization No, is, it's Earth. Okay, well, whether it's Earth or not, but... It's but, Earth. Ev- okay. okay. It's Earth. Yeah. <laughs> but is the rest of the world... Like, why is she in a spaceship and he's on the, like... My impression... He's in, a, in my, the cave. My impression just of bare bones of what was going on there, because I could not tease it out either, to be honest with you. My impression of what was going on in that scene is that the, she was from an advanced society... But it was similar to something that was like happening in Independence Day Resurgence, where she just came to that culture where it's not necessarily that the rest of the universe is so advanced, but her species particularly is. uh, And there is something on Earth that only they can use to help her with her mission. It's called humanity. They they both... It's called a soul, Alex. Both Halle Berry and... Tom Hanks's culture is like, however disparate they might be, where Tom Hanks' culture is very primitive and sort of divorced from. But tech- that's the evolution from where Neo's soul came from. Okay. <laughs> so no, I'm, asking, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to I'm explain. Sorry. I'm trying to explain this to you. Okay. Please. So there's the scene in the Neo Soul um, uh, storyline where, whatever her name is, the actress who plays Somni Four Five One, the clone chick, goes into uh, the apartment and is talking to what's his name. Uh, the the guy who is her love interest and in Jim like, Sturgis. Jim Sturgis, and Jim Sturgis like opens Hate up, you. opens up the windows, and it's like, it's like you know, in a couple of years, like even Neo Soul will be swallowed up by all of this 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 water because of global warming and shit like that. Which happened, then. yeah, and, and right. eventually that happened, and there was some sort of unspecified uh, event Which was that, created that, by the nuclear storyline. That's not nuclear or whatever it was. I'm trying. I'm trying so hard to explain this I'm to you so because sorry. you keep on interrupting. Oh, I'm okay. Um, so after the 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 god damn it! <laughs> now you're getting me confused. It's like sorry. after the global warming apocalypse in Neo Soul, then it jumps to 300 years in the future. 300 years in the future with Tom Hanks. Hanks and in his tribe or whatever, who are divorced from the mainland that have to subsist off of technology because for some reason there was a collapse, and Halle Berry's like culture for some reason was able to cloister themselves and continue to have some semblance of technology because the whole reason is that at some point humanity was able to expand off of the planet. They weren't able to leave for some reason, and the reason why oh, she's interstellar. The reason why she is on that <laughs> island. Asking for Tom Hanks' help is because she's looking for a relay point in order to like actually contact and get in contact with those Ooh. with those outer colonies. Okay. They didn't explain that very well. Fuck you. Could you explain it? No, he said the movie the, didn't the explain film that. Oh, did not explain you don't well. fuck yourself, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about no, me. I'm, okay. I'm talking about the film did yeah. not explain that okay, very well yeah. if that was what it was. Yeah. Um, uh, what what okay. I will say is that I, obviously, all of the stories have some sort of connection between them, whether they be good or bad. Um, I do think 
1973 story impacted the Neo Soul story, which impacted the futuristic story mm-hmm. with Tom Hanks and Halle Berry. It's like almost like our actions have consequences in a way. Oh my God. Like they're, they, kinda, just, they, they just ripple, they ripple through, through time, space. You know, yeah. it's, oh man, and we um, become killers and heroes. Okay, and a uh, single act of kindness redeems us. Timey wimey bullshit. Yeah, yeah. So Tom Hanks, um, two two. Two parts about his character that I will say. Which, Which character? <laughs> <sighs> you guys are so great. Uh, okay. So um, I did enjoy, and this was a connection that was obviously tried to be over the top obvious and also I thought was pretty clever throughout, but the the, uh, the connection of the pearl that's used throughout I thought was very interesting. Pearl? And it was used Whatever that is. that Whatever that gem is that shows up in his storylines throughout um whether it be and the holograms it, it's it's what's on the 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 end of the chain that's choking him in oh, the end yeah. of the scene and it, it, it it's oh i see you're talking about yeah, yeah it's the button from yeah all the way back to like Adam Ewig's uh, uh, yep. petticoat. Yeah. Okay, I remember that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yep. I thought that was actually really clever the way that it it was used, and it started off being a very um, innocuous item. Well, that, and it also was kind of a, a like down and looked down upon item early on in his lifetime, and at the end, it was something that broke and then saved him at the, in the final story, which I, I thought was interesting. But uh, his early character in this film was honestly just the worst thing ever that I can remember. And I'm pretty sure the filmmakers just went to him and said, hello, Tom, we would like you to play your character from the Lady Killers in that opening scene. Could you please do that? But that was a much better performance than the Lady Killers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I said... <laughs> same thing for the most part through the entirety of it it's not good Tom we want you to have an overbite and we want, like, oh you, you just rest rest on now you hear me oh. uh, also no black people on the ship he should stick to Steven Spielberg films shouldn't he he should <laughs> he should stick to a yeah Steven Spielberg <laughs> don't say Clint Eastwood that wasn't very good yeah uh, yeah so now I'm just picturing Sully with that overbite. Wouldn't that have been interesting? Now we're gonna like let's play. Wouldn't it be great if Sully took place over like six different lifetimes oh on the god. same plane? Oh my god! No, because have been an it pretty much movie. did in that trial scene when we had to watch the fucking simulation over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> Crisscross like figure status. Oh boy! Mm. So let's talk about the retirement home. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's like a. So Jim Broadbent gets sent to a retirement home as a prank because that's 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 how <laughs> retirement really it was pretty much it wasn't was a, it it was retribution for the fact that he had it slept was pretty no. much like a prank there's never I, I'm that, sorry but being sent to a retirement home as retribution is not something that's okay no that, no I'm not no, saying but it was I'm like a prank okay. wasn't not no. like their initial conversation was like it's really why he was putting them there to teach him a lesson right. and basically it came down to the fact that he was having an affair with his wife at some point. Yeah. Is this wife yes. Susan yeah. Sarandon, yeah. or was that a different one? I don't know. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Susan Sarandon was his lifelong love that uh, he fell out of a two-story which, which would make sense if, house. if it was in that timeline, but I'm, oh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't right. think it was. Yeah, I don't think right. so. Yeah, I'm not sure. That. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I don't think so, though. Yeah, no. Um, 
Who was the guy? Ooh. Was that Remember? Hugh Grant? Remember? Yeah. It was. That was Hugh Grant who played Remember his uh, brother. Tom Hanks plays a crazy author at a party. Ladies and gentlemen. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah no, that was... He throws that guy off the roof, and that was like one of the gen- only genuine like surprising moments of the film. Where I was like, oh. I was just pissed off because <laughs> it wasn't the other way around. <laughs> yeah, that was a very poor character choice for this film for him, so that was something. Uh, the moment of the film that, for me, like got me out of my seat being like, fuck yeah, bad horror movie camp, uh, is when uh, Jim Sturgis breaks whatever that barrel is over Hugo Weaving's head and the juice just goes flying out of it. And then we see Jim Sturgis as he just had his, like, I just came moment where he's like, oh! Was, <laughs> that was really a something. His blood roar. That was, that was like a five-second, like, just, oh, that was glorious. So here's what I don't understand. <laughs> this movie is about the nasty uh, effect and turmoil, emotional turmoil, I should say, of oppression against racism and whatnot. It's about so many things, But man. without, no, no, but just go with me here. Okay, like that's, I would say, almost the main theme. Maybe almost. It's up there. I think, I think racism and sexism are, are pretty right. close. So yeah. Yeah. if this movie is all like racism, you know, is, let's put sexism aside for one okay. second. Okay, that's fine. So let's say yes, this movie let's put, is, put sexism aside for a second. Nobody cares. It Nick. doesn't matter. We're Hugh Grant here. Okay, oh, that's fine. God. So if this movie is all like, you know, we need to evolve as a species mm-hmm. and stop uh, oppressing minority groups and such, which I'm all for, yeah. Um, technically, <laughs> the group in the tavern would not have gotten out of their situation without a good old dose of racism. So I don't understand. So, so, so you're saying that that scene would have worked a lot better if uh, all the people who were there who were trying to hunt down the old people were black? No. What is, is that what you're saying? No. No. Oh. <laughs> no. Where did that come from? Well, no. You said they wouldn't, have, said got, you wouldn't they, have. They wouldn't have done that without a good old dose Irish. of racism. Yeah. Like they literally didn't get out of that situation without the use of racism. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. Because they start speaking to the other people in the bar, oh. and they're saying they've gone against my people. You know. But hey. Oh. But hey. The reason. Yeah. The, I'm just saying that's, that that's was racism in that time. Is line. that racism? I thought it was. I mean, could there are different. They're they're from it's England. A different or they're different from ethnicity. Yeah, I thought the whole thing was like against Irish people. Yeah, I thought that's what was yeah. happening. Yeah, that's right. what it was. And so all the Irish no, no, people it's, in it's the against, bar. It's against English people. I thought. These people are mine. <laughs> but is, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Like but, but, it, it but, had but, to go hold, back hold, to the whole hold, hold EU on. thing. I Let, let's back up here just yeah. a second. Has can, Brexit happened in this timeline? No. Can we just just for a second? Is is there a different race between? White people from Scotland and white it, people it's, from it's, England. It's more about nationality. I was gonna say. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I, I guess I don't. But technically, you can be. Okay. Yeah. I don't mean the color of their skin. Which is what I was thinking you were saying when you said racism. Well, prejudice. You, you can be different races. Prejudice. Yeah. Would be better. So I guess prejudice is a color is a, is a through line. Hold on. Line no, color of the skin film. is such a uh, it's such a reductive way to describe racism. I know that that's certainly yeah. the black and white view of it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch! Didn't even try uh, to do that. No, but um, <laughs> but in general, when you have a certain opinion about an entire group of people based on the clan that they come from, so yeah. to speak, but that's, that's you wouldn't call it's racism in a nutshell. I you mean, wouldn't, yeah, but you wouldn't. Call, whatever you want to call it. Okay, no, but no. Let's just yeah. back up here just for a second. You wouldn't call how the Nazis felt about the Jews racism. I mean, really, to qualify them as being. 
Oh my god! I Racist? I cannot believe I'm, I'm <laughs> against against white this, Jews. This, this film, it's not. It's really okay. Whatever the word is, oh, the synonym for this whatever. But I am right in the sense that no, they, I, they I, use I know, I know oppression. I can feel my get out of there again. Right, right. Oppression and prejudice I, against. I may have been being reductive and using the word okay. racism, okay. but in general, um, the idea of. Like they, I can feel my brain physically like regearing itself in order to have an entirely <laughs> different conversation than I entered into today. But 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 I'm not wrong in the sense that this whole movie is like boo oppressions and racial tension yeah. and all that kind of whatever. Boo the other. And yet we're supposed to be cheering on these people who essentially incite a race riot. Let's just yeah, call it yeah. what it but, is. But they were people who were being oppressed for being old. No, I know it. That's what I'm but, saying. But That's that, why this movie makes no fucking sense. <laughs> That's oh God. Okay. Um, so, so you're saying that the film is saying that the only way that the old people could get away from their oppression was getting people to oppress yes. a different group. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just like, and I know it's such a small thing. It's not like I think like, oh well, this completely dispels the entire movie. Or what, I'm not saying no, there's, that. There's, there's far more hilarious, reasons to dispel the entire movie. But it's just such a hilarious gaffe, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. That is just is so Keith glaring. David good or bad? As I an love, actor, I love Keith David. No, no, as a character. Oh, because here's the thing: he's like. And why did they try to whitewash him? You know why? Because you can't whitewash Keith David. Like he is just the most. How'd you get the beads with Frank? He's the most singular person ever. I'm like, yeah. so, it says a wait, lot that it, anyway. Yeah. So he shows up, helps Halle, Halle Berry, helps her throughout the entirety of that entire slog. But yet calls Hugh Grant and says, I, I couldn't figure that out. Is he supposed to be good or bad? I don't know. Sometimes people are complicated. Yeah. And you know what? Humanity's <laughs> greatest folly are our conflicting emotions and allegiances. Uh, I like Keith David. What do you mean, you people? I really I really like what Keith What do you mean, you people? I like Keith David and they live and I like him as uh. Goliath and Gargoyles. But anyway... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually agree with Nick uh, on the whole uh, topic of the uh, – fuck it. I'm just going to call it by the character. Timothy Cavendish storyline where the old people, it's ageism yep. that's really oppressing them. Yeah. Um, and they're playing off of another form of of prejudice and, and of, of inciting hatred towards a uh, – That whole storyline is like, isn't this cute? And I'm like – but this is culminating in the very thing that this entire movie is Witch. warning us against. Yeah. Witch. Um, maybe was really horrible filmmaking, and maybe that's what happens. Trying to go I, for. I, like I, said, I don't know. That's what happens when you have three directors. Yeah. A, a you know a script based on a book. Like there's so many layers of switching hands here this. that I wouldn't really expect this movie to like keep it all together. Like I, I just don't. But like that that was just and, the biggest one that and, made me kind of go. And, and, what? That, and that's something we didn't even hit on yet is the fact that. It's not like this was a three-director collaboration throughout the entirety of it. Right. The Wachowskis directed half of the film. Uh, Tom Tickford directed the other half. Tom Tickford, who is not a very good director in my opinion. And they just all. stitched them together. And they just fucking threw it yeah. all together, and it shows. Yeah, and it, it's not like when you have a, uh, a team like, like, like the Coen brothers where you can't tell them apart as singular director visions because they clearly are on the exact same wavelength. And I know we're not – we're talking about like a lot of linear films. We're talking about like, a lot of things on this case. podcast, just like the movie. Talking about racism. Talking about to be racist. <laughs> Another sizzling topic on Film Dink. Um, yeah, it's uh, 
Yeah, Tom T- <laughs> Let's talk about him for a minute. We haven't even who? met the guy, Tom Tickford, the guy who directed the other half of this film, who, who is just forgotten for the most part. Other than Run, Lola, Run, that guy's career has been horrible. He did Run, Lola, Run? Yeah. yeah. That's interesting because that's about three alternate realities. So yeah. it's like he can never keep an entire movie straight. He also directed a very horrible Clive Owen film called The International, which you Ooh. will fall asleep I've in. I've never seen ever. it, but I've never If you do to. see it, it's, it's Clive Owen and Armin Mueller-Stahl. I can't, I can't and, believe yeah. Tom, what's, what's his name? <laughs> Tom Tickford. Tom Tickford? Tickford. I, Tickford? Um, I don't know. I can't believe he did Run, Lola, Run because I actually yeah. really like Run, Lola, Run. Uh, I was going to say. But that's it's, a silly movie. Like it's supposed to be, and and like that's the beginning of his career. The Matrix is the beginning of the Wachowskis' career, and then <laughs> you have the rest. And now we converge in Cloud. Addicts. I wonder if they, all three of them have the same birthmark. Oh God, <laughs> that'd be really weird. That'd be really, really weird. Anything else? I, 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 I have yes. one last note, and maybe that's not entirely pertinent to the okay. to the film itself, but it's Please the source material. Um, I'm going to circle back. Like this film does to so many oh. different things. Like uh, when I Are first, you saying this film is like cyclical in a way. Yeah, I would oh. say that. No, I would, I would. I'm not sure if you that's got your it, head in the clouds. I'm man. not. I'm not sure that's what the directors were going for, but I do think it's kind of cyclical. Um, at, at the beginning of this podcast, um, I talked about how I had read the original like book, and I thought that at least. I, I want to circle back onto that topic because I think that the film itself is structurally better than the than the novel but i will say that the story itself probably is more effective as a as a novel simply because th- there's one noticeable difference is that the the story is written differently depending on each individual chapter like the language that's used in the far far future um with with, with tom hanks character with uh, zachary like that's exactly how it's written in the actual book true true yeah yeah true true and I just think that it's it's more of an exercise in form and content, and it's really just sort of a it, it's it's sort of like a what, what's the the name for that writing exercise where you keep on passing it from one author to another? I guess it's like the immaculate no the exquisite corpse uh, method of storytelling that I thought that probably David Mitchell is probably pretty good at, but I just don't think that really transfers as well as into the format of film. So yeah, that's my. My last word on Cloud Atlas, or is it? Maybe in my next lifetime I'll talk about this film. Did you give a rating there? Or? No, I didn't talk about the rating. Are um, we going right into it? I mean, I thought that's well, what you do said. It. Yeah, thought. Yeah, I'll give it. Uh, do it, Tucson. I'll give this a two and a half out of five because I really I'm just I'm not coming at it with the same enthusiasm as I did like years ago when I first saw it, and I still think that it's a a tolerable film. I could watch this film again. I could I could stand to watch this film again, and I'd still like modestly enjoy it. It's certainly not perfect. It's kind of a slog, but um, honestly, I just thought it was it, it was competent. It was a fun film. Yeah. Moving on to Nick. I was not a fan of this movie. Yeah, I, I couldn't have detected um, that. This is like if you're gonna make a three hour movie, you can't make a more tedious, uh, off putting movie for my own personal. Did you like this more or The Revenant? The Revenant, for sure. Okay. Because at least The Revenant I think is... I've asked you that on like four straight episodes. <laughs> so the, the Revenant Reven- is the baseline. The Revenant is my lit- litmus test. Um, <laughs> no, the, the Revenant, because there's skill in the cinematography. Like I, I don't know that anything in this movie jumped out. I don't okay. give it my lowest rating or anything like that because I can understand why it got made in the first place. I just 
don't think it necessarily should have been made. I don't know. It's just it just never left off the screen for me. And it's so crazy because this movie is trying a million different things. I mean, at one point it looks like a seventies cop show. You know, like when they're uh, chasing uh, the the cars down over in the Halle Berry uh, storyline and whatnot. And um, yeah, there's like political espionage. There's historical drama there's there's everything you can possibly want and it says a lot that none of them resonated with me i i like some of these performances but um it's just for a movie that is supposed to be convincing me the audience that we're all connected all i could think about was how everybody was in their own movie and that includes the filmmakers and the actors and because of that i just thought ultimately was a failure but i don't begrudge anybody for liking it it's just this is like my personal vision of like hell as a as a cinematic viewing experience because this is so many things i don't like uh to view so i give it one out of five stars i was quite a big fan of cloud atlas uh a big reason i was a huge fan of it whether it it, it be a completely enormous success which it was not or or not uh i always try to give films credit for doing something somewhat different which i think this film is ultimately going for i think this film reaches beyond its grasp because you have a film that's directed by three different filmmakers uh telling nonlinear stories with multiple actors playing multiple different characters and it ultimately uh doesn't end up being a complete mess in my opinion which i think there's no way it could have not been if i would have actually thought about this film on paper like if you just told me that three different filmmakers are making one film about three hours about three hours long that's a nonlinear story across universes with different i mean it's just the the whole story is just preposterous on paper uh and Honestly, there are parts of this film that are just not good. Um, specifically, CGI, as, as we talked about earlier. Uh, a lot of the storylines and their connections are really loose and at, at times confusing and, and just not good. But at the same time, uh, a lot of good performances here. Some very interesting storytelling motifs. And I don't know. I just I just really enjoyed a lot of what this film had to offer, and I'm I'm very interested to see it again. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned about Tom Hanks earlier, even though some of his uh, characters in this film were terrible, uh, I I did appreciate seeing him in a film that wasn't something that I usually see him in. I can see the draw for him as an mm-hmm. actor to do it. I just that's that's where we get into what I was saying earlier as far as acting versus casting. I think his main character that he's playing here is actually he does a really good job in. I think which was, one is that? Uh, that's the character that he's playing at the very beginning and end, and then throughout most of his screen time in the true, film. True. Yeah. Okay. Which is that character? Which I think he does a good job of. Now some of his other characters are honestly fucking terrible, but at the same time they're minor characters in a in a much larger landscape. So I don't know. It's 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 a challenge for everybody who was an actor in this film. I think, other than Jim Broadbent, who for the most part is playing the same character. Yeah, he's like the only. He's like Keith David, maybe. Like yeah. Jim Broadbent. Like I was surprised because he's such a versatile, not versatile, but like animated person that I I could have seen him play a he's, different type of person. He's playing Slughorn throughout this entire. He's film. being typecasted in a movie <laughs> where you play multiple roles. Like that's kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and Hugh Grant, uh, I have to say, even oh, I, I, gosh. I, I, I don't know if he was 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 great here, but I enjoyed seeing him doing something totally different than was completely out of his usual comfort zone. And Hugo Weaving was great because he's Hugo Weaving. So uh, it's three and a half out of five for me for Cloud Atlas and a film that I'm so glad that Nick hated because he gave me his copy on Blu-ray. <laughs> so thank you for that. And I will enjoy watching that again. Sometime. I've never been more wrong about a movie. Because I are you sure? I don't know, man. Wow. <laughs> no, what I'm what I'm I, trying I to say okay. is uh, I buy movies all the time before I actually see them. It's mm-hmm. just what I do. I mean, it's not like I'm spending, you know, what I, it's usually bargain, you know, sure. whatever. It's like, oh, it's a five dollar booger. I've been meaning to see this, whatever. But this is the first time. I mean, I bought a movie and certainly been disappointed, whatever. This is the first time where I bought something thinking I would genuinely at least enjoy it. And who boy, I'm I'm glad to pass it on to a to a good old buddy. Yeah, well, and oh, thanks again. Yeah. And I will enjoy watching it again. So yeah. uh, that is Cloud Atlas, and we probably will end up doing an episode on the Matrix. Yeah, I don't know when, but let's do the trilogy. Oh God, yeah, let's do the trilogy. Oh God, yeah. I kind of want to see the sequel again. As long as we don't yeah. have to talk about Matrix Revolutions, we can do the trilogy. Oh, but I'll talk the about orgy it. scene. That's. Reloaded. Oh, is it? And I don't want to talk about that scene. Okay, really quickly before we we get to the, the <laughs> let's sign, talk about it. Before we get to the sign off here, does anybody here can anyone honestly say that they like the third Matrix film more than the second? See, I, that's more a, than the second. Yeah. No. I, In fact, growing up, the second one was the one I watched the most. And I don't even necessarily hate the second film because I, I think it has something to offer. The third film, I sat in the theater and went, this is honestly the worst moment of my life. The second, the second and third film are essentially one film. They've just been like cut down the middle. And I just don't think that the half of the film that I see in the third film doesn't work as well as the the first half. Which, the second. It, it's not like there's there are a lot of trilogies where the third film is great. Usually the third film is terrible. Um, for yeah. the mo- I mean, throughout, like, even like films like Back to the Future, which I don't hate the third one, but even the clear... second film is not really good, even compared to the We got a lot to unpack yeah, about that. We I have to have so. that episode, please, yeah. But I think uh, we'll talk a lot about the first film and then also talk about the second and the third. Yeah. Something to talk about more down the road. Yeah, let's do Trilogies that. are fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On our next episode here on Film Tank, uh, we're going to talk about a drama horror film from 1981 uh, that is one of Nick's favorite films of yeah, all time. All, 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 time? all time. Yeah. All time? Okay. Gets better every time I watch it. Yeah, and that is 1981's Possession, uh, which stars Isabel and Johnny and Sam Neill. In a fantastic, I mean, not that I dislike Sam Neill, but man, you just, you put this right next to Jurassic Park and what a trip. That's all you else you can remember him from. Oh, I mean, that's like his thing. This film was written and directed by Andre Zulowski. Andre Zulowski. Andre Zulowski, pardon me and um or is it andrew i don't know we'll, who knows we'll try to find out rest before in peace next week. yeah yeah uh and we will obviously talk more about it next week but uh this is a french film it's technically a french production okay but it's english language made okay. by a polish filmmaker okay. so, <laughs> you know it's, and, it's one of those multicultural and, things just to get it made okay and since nick uh really wanted to to 
talk about this film, and this starts off October, which I think for the most part we're going to be talking about horror films and Birth of a Nation in October. Which is a horror horror film film in and of itself. Both in the uh, director. On and off the screen. Um, Nick, why don't you (laughs) tell us a little more about why you wanted to do an episode on Possession. This is basically... My favorite horror mil- movie besides The Shining, uh, and because everybody knows The Shining, that's why I picked this one, you know. Uh, I definitely wanted to show it to someone who's never seen it before. In this case, that would be Alex, because I love just, like, don't read anything about it. Just go see it. And this is one of the best cases as to, as I've recently been fine-tuning my appreciation for horror, that I've always grown up on the belief that horror is meant to be scary. And that's not, like, I've come so far away from that belief. Certainly, that's a like a a one faction of what horror can do but this is such a perfect encapsulation of how horror can be dramatic in and of itself and that's certainly the case here it's like you know there's no jump scares or anything like that this is just a it's horrific in the way it uh has analogies to real life uh mundanity and awful human connections that we make and uh with some very startling images Okay. And one more thing, Isabel and Johnny's performances is probably in my top three performance on screen ever. Wow. So, yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Okay. You will never ride the subway again. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> That's an end joke until you see the movie. Oh, okay. I was going to say, if, if you're like trying to say it realistically, like... No, you a, will. You'll ride yeah. the subway. I'm not going <laughs> to there, There's no way to get around. You'll never ride and, it the same way. You know? I don't begrudge transportation, you know, public transportation. Uh, but there's no way to physically get around Maybe you Paris. won't drink milk again. Yeah. Right? <laughs> there, there, there's no way to physically get around in Paris or London without riding the subway. Yeah, no, but... So. Uh, I, or New York, also. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. So we will talk about that next week's episode on episode 84 here on Film Tank. If you have any thoughts on Possession or on Cloud Atlas or on the Wachowskis. The crossover between them. In, the Wachowskis in general. It's all connected. You can send them on shut the fuck up. It is. To us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. Uh, you can find all our episodes on filmtankshow.com or on iTunes or Stitcher. And you can also reach us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Tank Show. From Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman, thank you as always for listening to this episode of Film Tank, and we'll catch up with you next time. Thank you.